Friends, God is among us. Let us worship in the name of God, who is greater than we imagine, more forgiving than we deserve, full of grace and mercy. God of a thousand names and faces, mother and father of all life on earth, you who live in the cells of all life, Lady of peace, of love, of wisdom, Lord of all the stars and planets, best consoler, inward guest. Giver of gifts and light of our hearts, fill the inmost depths of our beings. And teach us Wash what is soiled, heal what is wounded, bend what is rigid, warm what is frigid. And teach us now and Restore to us our humanity. And teach us Amen. A reading from 1 John, the fourth chapter. Beloved, let us love one another, because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. This is the word of God. Good morning. I've spent my entire life, entire professional life at least, as a theologian, trying to understand what Christianity really is all about. And in particular, in in recent years, to try to understand what is the essence of Christianity? What is the fundamental truth in our religion? For some time I've had my answer to this question, but since I contracted cancer, I have experienced the answer to this in a new way. I used to know it in my head. It was head knowledge, as I like to say. But in the process of being sick, uh, this knowledge has sunk also downward into the feeling level. It's what I call gut knowledge. I know it in my entire being. There is no question about its truth. I have experienced it. Now, this truth is not anything particularly complicated, which is, after all, how it should be. It wouldn't be fair if Christianity were only for the well-trained or intellectual elite. It's actually as incredibly simple as, as anything you could imagine, and it's precisely what Dr. Irwin just read this morning from 1 John. John says so simply, yet so profoundly, God is love. Now, the only problem with this, of course, is trying to understand what it means to say God is love. And the church historically, I think, has stumbled over this question and failed to adequately explain it to all of us. 
If, it weren't, if that weren't the case, there wouldn't be such god-awful things that some theologians have said about God. Some things are horrible and have no place with a God who is love. Nonetheless, sometimes these things are said by Christians. Now, part of the problem here, I think, is that really in the English language, we're rather impoverished when it comes to talking about love. We have only one word, love, to cover all of the different kinds of loves that we have. We love our cars. We love our pets. We love our jobs. We love our friends. We love our boyfriends and girlfriends, spouses. We love God. To have one word to try to cover all of that is sheer lunacy. Happily, the ancient Greeks didn't have that same problem. They had a variety of different words for love, three of which I want to focus on. The first word is eros, which I take to mean the kind of love where I get something out of it. Right? It's a kind of love where I'm concerned about what I'm getting out of this. So, for example, I once had a 67 GTO, 400 horsepower of pure adrenaline driving pleasure. And I saved up for that car for a long time, and I finally bought it, and then I worked it into a racing machine, and I had more fun street racing than I can tell you, and then the, than the police ever knew. <laughs> happily, happily, or I would still be in jail. Uh, but uh, so that's that, that eros is like that. It it just it gives such pleasure to a person. The problem with eros is when we use that with other beings and other persons. When we treat our pets, for example, as though they were things, not beings in themselves, and certainly in terms of other people, when we treat them as things that are there to gratify our own desires. But there's a second word in Greek, philia, which is uh, a word that indicates the kind of love you would have for your friends, for your parents perhaps, uh, the kind of love where you expect to give love, but you also expect to get love in return. And I think for most of us, if we uh, are engaged in something we think might be a friendship and then suddenly that love isn't returned to us, the kind of love we're giving, we kind of lose interest in that so-called friendship, decide it's not going to be a real friendship, and look elsewhere for that kind of love. But philea is a noble kind of love. It's a wonderful thing in which, when it's done right, everybody wins. But there's a third word also that the Greeks have, and this word is agape. Now, agape is a very rare and different kind of love, where in eros, the idea is I, it's what I get out of the relationship, and where in philea, it's what we get out of the relationship. With agape, it's totally about what you get out of the relationship. It's the kind of love which gives and doesn't think about return. We see this on occasion in our world, uh, the classic example of the soldier who falls on a grenade in the foxhole in order to save his friends' lives, or, say, the woman who runs out in front of a speeding car to push a child out of the way, not thinking about what's going to happen to her. You see that occasionally in this world, 
uh, hopefully sometimes even with spouses and boyfriends and girlfriends. But when this is applied to God, this, this suddenly illuminates really what the Christian tradition is all about. It's talking about a God who doesn't care about what God's own self gets out of the love. It doesn't matter. God is so concerned with loving each one of us that God never stops to think about what God is getting out of this. And what's remarkable is that not only is this love, this agape, this special, perfect kind of love, not only is that something that God feels, but in fact, as John tells us this morning, it's what God actually is. God is this kind of love. It is the essential nature of God to be this way, to love in this way. And God can't help but love each of us, each of God's children, in this self-giving, self-sacrificial way. Jesus' choice of, of dad to refer to God couldn't be more appropriate, right? God is the perfect dad or the perfect mom, loving no matter what the kid does. You could be a murderer, you could be a rapist, God would still love you totally and completely and care about you and what happens in your life. And that's the other feature of it, as well as the, the feeling. Uh, God, love is what somebody does. You can't love somebody and not do something for that person. If you think, oh, I love you, I love you, and you don't ever do anything for the other person to try and make their lives better, you don't love at all. It's just a, a lie you tell yourself, but it really means nothing. And so what that means for God is not only does God love us immensely, in every moment, but God is also working in every moment, trying to make our lives better in whatever situation we find ourselves. God is always there working, trying to make our lives better. So this is the problem, I think, one of the big problems with traditional Christianity, too, another problem, and that is that it's understood, somehow it's come to understand, salvation as being only something that happens after death. And that couldn't be more wrong. Both the Old Testament and the New Testament witness to the fact that love and salvation go together. And that in fact there can be salvation in this life. And where it's found in this life, not surprisingly, is in love. This, this is one of those things, uh, those gut knowledge things that I have experienced since I got cancer and from so many of you. And there are no words to say thanks, but it has been selfific for me, I have to say. And I think this is what Paul was trying to get at with his salvation by grace through faith. The grace is the sheer gift of God's love that starts while we're still in the womb and never ceases throughout our entire lives. And faith is our side of the relationship. It's entering into this relationship of love, trying to return love to God, which can only be done through loving other people. This is why Jesus' great commandment is, love God and love everyone else, even your enemies. There, there can be no difference. There can be no difference between them. 
If you love, you become loved and more lovable. And it's my firm belief that as you love other people, that love will come back to you, especially if you love in this agopic sense. I think that kind of love is totally irresistible and that that love comes back to you and that precisely is your salvation, whether in this life or the next. It is and has been for me salvific to have the kind of love that I've been shown. And so when I come to this, think about the question of, of uh, you know, what the essence of Christianity is, it's just really so simple. It's that God is agopic love and that we are called to enter into a relationship with that God, which means returning that agopic love to God, which we do best by showing it to other people, by trying to live a life in which in every moment and everyone you meet, you try to behave lovingly towards them, even if it's only just a smile or a hello. Try, it makes people's lives better when they're acknowledged and, when, and, they, and they feel that you care for them when you say something as simple as hello. So, where does this all take us? To a simple fundamental truth. That Christianity ultimately is about agopic love. And that's really all there is. Amen. Lord of all, we confess that we often say that we love our sisters and brothers, but we do not always show that love. Our words speak of love we have for our neighbors, but our actions tell a very different story. Forgive us, holy God. Strip us of our pride. Teach us to love as you love. Dwell within us so that we may more faithfully demonstrate our love for you through our love of all, of all others, including the person that hurts our feelings, the neighbor that is cruel, the co-worker who is selfish, the friend who lashes out in anger, the person who acts out in violence. Move us to love the person who we cannot see in places far away, as well as the stranger close to home. Open our hearts to your power, moving around us and between us and within us until your glory is revealed in our love of both friend and enemy, in communities transformed by justice and compassion, and in the healing of all that is broken. Amen. Receive our Lord's blessing. The God of steadfastness and encouragement grant you to live in harmony with one another. The God of hope fill you with all joy and peace so that you may abound in hope by the power of God. The God of all grace bless you now and forever. Amen.